You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is uh, Jay Harwood's Late This is an amazing conversation with my good friend, Tony DeComo. Tony, when did we first meet? When... Uh, that would have been 2007, Jay. I was an intern at MLB.com. I used to delete Marty Noble, friend of his boss. They say, Marty, who's this guy following around? <laughs> That was me. That was me. I was his shadow for a year. So, so now you turn on the MLB Network. Tony DeCombo's there. SNY. Tony DeCombo's there. Do you? Uh, what I call it an FAN uh, with Kim Jones. Tony DeCombo's there. How does this feel? You know, like you and Mike Pullman, seeing the guys on the beat now. Yep. How does this feel when something breaks with the Mets? They call you. So you're calling me old, is what you're calling. Well, no, I'm I'm 77. I'm a lot older than you, but it's gonna make me feel good with your career. It's cool. It's it's you know you want to in this job be, you know, kind of the foremost expert, right? right. So you want to have that gravitas. So yeah, it feels good when people call you and something happens. They want to have your take on it. They want to have your opinion on it. They know that you're around and and talking to the right people and know to a certain extent what's going on in the organization. So that that is cool. It's flattering when you get those kinds of calls. Did you have to? How did you get to be comfortable? I said that because you're a friend, very comfortable, short sound. Because how did you get to the point where you were comfortable doing that? I mean, I don't know if I still am, to be honest with you. It's never something that came naturally to me. And um, but that's what I tell. I get college kids reach out to me all the time. What do you need to do to succeed in this business to get jobs? That sort of thing. And it's not like it used to be. Like when you first started, Jay. It's you know the beat writers they wrote. They wrote two stories a day, and that was their job. And then they went home. Now it's so much more than that that you have to be proficient in. You have to be able to do stuff on camera, on air, or it's it's just part of the daily day to day. So it's kind of like forcing yourself to do the things because it's part of the job. I mean, MLB.com. I should have done myself. So when did you become the guy? In what? 2010. 2010. What do you remember? That was Terry Collins' first year. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you remember? When we working with Terry? <laughs> I remember when you got when the Mets were interviewing Terry Collins, and I didn't know him at all. Right. But I knew his reputation as right. kind of like a fiery guy. Right. He had gotten into some uh, some hot water in previous stops, and I was like, oh boy, what am I getting myself into? And he wound up being such a great guy to work with. Um, really personable, a nice man. Uh, helpful, so it wound up being great. I mean, it's a relationship that I still have, obviously. Today, I see Terry around all the time. It's always good to see him. But uh, yeah, I remember being intimidated by the idea of Terry Collins, and then the guy who showed up wound up being very different. What What are your memories from the early years with the Mets? I mean, we weren't a very good team in the you know two thousand Santana's no game, and you were there for that. I was off that night. Right. Uh, it was the first game back from a road trip, if I, if I right, remember right. And uh, yeah, most of the regular beat was coming off the trips that they were off, and. Uh, funny story about that, I was actually at a bachelor party in Atlantic City with a bunch of Mets fans who were there, and, and uh, it was in the very kind of early days where you could get MLB TV on your phone. We couldn't get the Mets game on local television down there because it was all Philly stuff. So I had my little smartphone, like my first far- smartphone I ever had, up on top of the TV, and there were like eight or nine guys crowded around watching the final outs of Johan's no-hitter. Tony, then again, that blow of smoke, you, you worked at Clubhouse, and then I can mix the names. You've broken a lot of stories the last couple of years. I mean, I don't want to get mentioned names, but how do you walk the line between getting the players' trust and being able to get stuff on your own? You know, Kevin, wasn't the thing that MLB wasn't supposed to break stories? Or, I mean, look, but you broke a lot of stories. How did you get to the point where the players trusted you? They would, you would have to go into specific. Well, I think, I think 
it's just about being a human being, right? Like you cover these guys, they're celebrities, um, and you know, they have certain interactions every day, but if you have, if, if you can build that level of trust where my relationship with them is the same as you and I talking right now, having a conversation, and they see me as a human being, not necessarily a reporter, that's how you build that trust. And at the end of the day, they know that I'm here to do a job. I know that I'm talking to them to do a job, and there is that level of professionalism as well. But it, I think it's more about having it feel a little less transactional, right? Where I'm just coming to you because I want to get information. You bring up a good point. I, I existed in a locker room for 38 years. Yeah. I try to treat the 25th guy like yep. the number one guy. Exactly. When I went to the guy's locker room, was it, Bob, could you do this for me? I, yeah. I said, when he saw me coming, I didn't want to be a suit. Yeah, and I, you know what's funny is back in, it was 2010, 2011, when, when Jeremy Hefner, who's a great example, right. was... You know, end of the roster, just trying to make a right. make a roster. Wound up, you know, starting a few games for the Mets over the years. But I remember that spring, you know, I try to talk to all the guys in there and right. having some good conversations with him, uh, building a relationship with him. Never thinking anything would come of it other than, right. like, hey, a couple of human beings interacting. Long story short, he's now the pitching coach for the Mets. Right. It's a great relationship to have, and I've known him for over a decade. So and that's where I, like I that. did. People say, well, how did you exist in the locker room? It was not. Always going to Gary Carter's locker, or Gary Strawberry's yeah. locker, or going to Joe McEwen, Vance Wilson, and stuff like that. But uh, but, give me what your memories in 2015 was a good year for the Mets. It was a great year for the Mets. Uh, I remember thinking there was no way they were ever going to right. do what they did. I mean, in in June they looked dead in the water. Early July they looked like they were completely cooked, and then all of a sudden that end of July. It, it, every single night something crazy happened. They wound up making a bunch of trades. Obviously, Cespedes. Right. being the big one right at the deadline and it just took off and and that end of july early august when they kind of were sewing up the division right. or, or, or kind of establishing themselves as the division leaders that's among the most fun i've had covering this job and people ask you know do you root for the team and the honest answer is no i don't but it could be a lot funner yeah it could be a lot more fun excuse me when they're winning just because there's so much more interest in the team there's so much more interesting things happening what do you remember about murph's uh, power surge and playoffs that year another thing I, I never could have predicted yeah i mean this was a good hitter obviously but it wasn't that kind of power hitter and he had completely changed his stroke and the way he attacked the baseball and and at the time even you know everyone kind of thought it was just oh this guy wound up getting crazy hot for a week and that was that and it wound up actually carrying it over into future seasons. I think he batted 900 against Yeah, ba Babe, Murth Babe Murphy, they call him. I mean, you know, it was he, unbelievable. He, he was crazy. I don't know how famous. Is there a favorite guy you like to be with? I want to give you David in a second. Is there a, yeah. Put David aside for a second. Sure. Is there another guy you had a good rapport with, enjoyed being around or talking to? You know what? It, it's it's funny. Obviously, David's you know top of that list, but you were talking earlier about trying to treat the 25th guy the same as the first. Right. And I've always found that some of the most impactful relationships were with those guys towards the end of the roster. Right. Um, you know, Nathan always sticks out. When I first came up, Nick Evans was right. was a guy who was just about my age, just getting established. And those are the guys as a young reporter that you lean on um, because you have a little more in common, right? You're the same age. You maybe have some similar interests and... Um, uh, there's probably a bit of imposter syndrome for, for those guys in the right. clubhouse, just as there is for me. Like, I can't believe I'm here. Um, so, the, But those are the guys, you know, bullpen guys, backup catchers, guys on the bench that you can really wind up having great relations. Do you remember what, what your favorite story you've written is, or one or two, and stick out? Oh, gosh. Um, I, that's a great question. Favorite story I've written. 
I'll keep on the same theme, um, and I, I don't know if this is number one, but somebody just sent it to me the other day on Instagram, and, and not that I had forgotten about it, but uh, I don't know if you remember, yeah, Jay, there was a, a Jersey guy trying to fight for a vegetable. His name was Anthony Serratelli. This is around like yeah, 2013. I, I remember the name, yeah. He had a great story with his family. Uh, his dad had passed, and you know he was kind of keeping alive his, his memory, and I wound up doing a kind of a long-form feature on a guy that nobody had ever heard of. Um, that one sticks out in my mind just because it can show what we were just talking about, about uh, these guys, you don't have to be writing about the David Wrights. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Or the Mike Piazzas to have it resonate with people. You, you brought up an interview, going back for a second. When I started, the paper guy would write one story that would be yeah. How many stories do you oh. write a, a, a night? How much news are you making? <laughs> so there's no deadlines. There's no deadlines. There's no necessarily quotas. I mean, you go to the ballpark every day thinking you're going to write one or two stories, but sometimes it can be five, you know, if things happen. And, and plenty of things have happened with the Mets over the years. Yeah, so interesting. It's, um, yeah, there's, it's, I would say, the blessing and the curse of having everything be digital because there's no... You know, back in the day, you had the newspapers, and you had a news hole that you had to fill. Right. It didn't matter if you had less or more; it had to fit in that certain space. That's not the case anymore. And when I started, the PR used to write press releases. Nobody does press releases. Yeah, see this high train. Either the media breaks, or the agents break, or for somebody breaks. It's right. I mean, yeah, re releases. I mean, there's no no more press releases. Really. No, no more, no more press. Or when they come out, you already know you already about know. what happened. So it's uh, yeah, it's a different world in a lot of ways than. Than when you started, Jack. No, well, <laughs> back in the Stone Age, when we think more after guys, David Wright. Yeah. How did you get his trust to let, you know, because David's a very private yeah. person. How did you develop the trust with him through the years? I think that's just it. It was through the years. It wasn't as if I approached him in 2018 at the end of his career and said, I want to write a book on you. It was, I had known him for over a decade at that point. And I think it's a lot of you know, what I was talking about earlier, just because this guy is a big star doesn't mean I, I treat him like a big star. Right. You know, I treat him just like a human being. And I think David uh, is a perfect example of a guy who appreciates that. We would always joke about that, you know, when David's joking around with you, when he's making fun of you and things like that, that's when he knows that he can trust you. Right, right. Um, you know, when he gives it back to you a little bit. So, you know, over many years, just treating him like a human being, uh, he was always a great guy to deal with. He was always available, always accessible. Um, you know, getting to know each other a little bit so that when that ask comes in 2018 at the end of his career, it's not by a stranger, it's by, it's by a guy who's covered him and, and I like to think was fair to him throughout his career. How did you approach it to him? Do you remember? <laughs> I do. No, I remember very late in the 2018 season, he was had announced that he was going to retire. Right. And I remember uh, talking with him in the Nationals clubhouse and just being like, look, I, I would like to to do this project, something I've had on my mind for a while. And he said, I'm flattered. And I was kind of surprised that he would, he would think that way, but he said, I'm flattered. Uh, let's talk about it after the season. So after the season, um, I believe I was in LA for the GM meetings and he was living out there. So we got together for lunch. We talked it through. We decided um, 
you know, he wanted to be involved in, in having it be a first-person memoir as opposed to a biography about him. And right. uh, it just kind of took out from there. And yeah, over the course of the next year, we had a million conversations, both in person, over the phone. He was great. He was easy to work with. And um, we got it done. So you saw that you were in the beginning before David, the hell, you saw the healthy David Wright and the injured David Wright. Yeah. Um, my first reaction in which Scott Rowland was in the Hall of Fame, yep. that that could have been David Wright. That could and should have been David Wright. Yeah, and the difference is, you know, David's peak was probably better than Scott Rowland's. Right. I mean, he yeah. had some real, true MVP kind of seasons, 06, 07, and um, he just didn't do it for I mean, he was on a path. Yeah, he was definitely on the path. And that's the thing with the Hall of Fame is generally you need both, right? You need to be at the top of your league for at least for a while, and you also need to do it over an extended period of time. If he had been able to stay healthy, he didn't even need to have those great peak seasons right. anymore. If he had been able to go four or five more just kind of league average seasons and, and compile those numbers, get more hits, home runs, he probably would have been there. It's still, it's still just 40 now. I mean, he's yeah. going to be playing. So he had 242 home runs, 970 RBIs, close to 2,000 hits. And I think he's gotten over, and you've talked to him too, is he, you think he's gotten over the regrets of what could have been? You know? Yeah, I, you know what? It's hard to say regret because... One of the big themes of the book, and especially when we started getting into the injury stuff at the end of his career, is he said, the one thing I never wanted to do was go home, kind of call it quits on this thing because my back was hurting, right. and look up in a year and say, gosh, I wish I had done just a little bit more to get back out there. So that's why he grinded through this, even to the extent where he knew in the back of his mind that it probably wasn't going to happen. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's certainly some wistfulness of what could have been of, of yeah, if only I had been able to play a few years longer, um, especially I would say less about the Hall of Fame stuff, but more because he wanted to win a World Series. Right, right. But um, regrets, I think he's very satisfied in that piece that he did pretty much everything he could do to to do as much as he could to get back on the field. You were able to see how we interact with the fans. I mean, he's been away for really five years now. Yeah. People love him to death, you know. Yeah. Never turned away an autograph. Good with the kids, community. I mean, yep. you're able to see where, where, where... It's, it's, he gets it more than anyone I've ever yeah. covered in that extent. And um, that started when he was so young, uh, going, you know, being from Norfolk area, went out playing for the Norfolk, Norfolk Tides there uh, at AAA, even for a brief period. And it started there. Everybody from town would come out. He would sign autographs every night until there was nobody left. And he just kind of, you know, one of the great things about David is that didn't change as right. his celebrity grew as he became a big star. And that's, that's hard to do. You know, you get people every day telling you how great you are. It's hard to kind of go through it without having the ego damage you. And, and I don't know how he was able to do it, but kudos to him yeah. for doing it. Yeah, he's a, he's a decent guy. Tony, you're doing Derek for one second. It's still the, it's still the competition among the beats. I mean, oh, yeah. You get something first. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? That takes different forms. I think a lot of people see the breaking news on Twitter, like right. Mets sign this guy, Mets trade for this guy. And of course, you want to be first on those things. Um, but it also takes the form of, like, if there's a good story in that clubhouse, I, I get just as upset, if not more upset, if somebody else finds it, gets it right, right. before I can. So, um, yeah, it, it, again, it goes back to just having a pulse of the room and the guys in it and, and what's interesting, what's new, what people are going to want to read. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. After COVID, you when you go into a locker, you target a particular guy or you just see what's news or, you know, I mean. COVID was tough. COVID was tough because everything was on Zoom. So we were kind of at the mercy of who was going to go in the Zoom room that day. You didn't really have access right. to the guys. And then even in 2021, when we got back on the field for batting practice and you could, you know, talk to guys, flag them down for a brief interview. You didn't have that time, especially in spring training, to build those relationships. So if there were new guys on the team, you didn't know them. And they didn't really have reason to trust you. So not that you couldn't get the interviews, but I, I think you definitely lost something there. I mean, we, yeah, COVID was just awful for, for everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, so we, going forward this year, any change of your philosophy writing or just keep doing what you're doing? Keep doing what I'm doing. I, I, you know, my philosophy is that I just want to always try and have a sense of what people are going to want to read right. about. Um, oftentimes, that's the stars, and the Mets have a lot of them. <laughs> Alonzo, right. Lindor, Scherzer, Verlander, like, we're going to be writing about these guys all year long, but also maybe trying to unearth some things that they might not know about lesser guys or stories they might not know. Yeah, I go back, every time I turn on those TVs, I, I, I knew you win. <laughs> no, I mean, really, what you've done with your career is great. I mean, it only... All the major outlets, uh, whenever you sudden breaks with the Mets, you're the guy they call. It should be honored with that. Again, been a good friend. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Jay. And yeah. I learned a lot from you, by the you're way. Welcome. And listen, best of luck with the book. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.